her know we love her. We love you, Sister Amelia. Amen. She's still. We, she, we had to go to the ER, and in the ER, the doctor tried to speak some things to her, and she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I rebuke you. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I love her spirit. Amen. Let's go to um, let's go to Luke 11, and we'll start at verse 1. Luke 11, and we'll start at verse 1. And if you could stand for the reading. Um, so tonight's subject is the one word pastor said like at least a hundred times tonight i felt this very 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 strong from the lord because when we were in binghamton yesterday the lord gave me this message of why jesus rejoices and i was like oh that's good that's good and he's like not that's not for tomorrow amen it says luke 11 and 1 it says and it came to pass as in a, as he was in a he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. One of the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to communicate with God. And then he goes on and he doesn't give them what they should say every time they go to prayer. Um, he gives them a structure. And he said, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father, we know this, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, forgive our sins, and also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. We just need the Lord to breathe on this and give us understanding. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, I pray I believe that I'm in your perfect will. God, I pray that you would strengthen your people. God, I pray that you would give us a mind to receive what is spoken, Lord God. Hallelujah. I rebuke pride in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Thank you for what you are going to do in this place. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm actually not going to teach on the Lord's Prayer. Um, I just, me and Sister Miranda were talking one time, and we were talking about structures and how structures aren't, like they kind of hinder the spirit. So when the Lord gave me this, I was like, well, Lord, what you gave me was a structure. Like, doesn't that kind of, and he spoke to me and he said that you, like people need something to kind of, kind of go off of, right? Because what happens is, is we call prayer, right? Okay, there's prayer for the next 10 days, right? And there's this awkwardness about prayer is when we get into this place, we say to ourselves, okay, well, besides saying, and I, and I don't say this disrespectfully, but instead of saying Jesus's name like 35 times or, or even quoting the Lord's prayer, like once you pretty much say what you want, you're done and you just sit there. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a bad spirit when I say this stuff, but um, I believe that the Lord wants us to know how to pray. The Lord wants us to know how to communicate with him. One thing I'm learning um, the older I get is that communication really is key. And I can't talk to Julius the same way I talk to my wife, you know? And there's also people who are, who are close to me and I could just shoot straight with them and they would understand me. But then there's people who are kind of like 
sensitive and you kind of got to word it the right way. Because at the end of the day, it's not about being like getting your point across. It's about for the person to receive it. So um, when I was praying, the Lord gave me this format and it was given to um, what's his name? G.A. Mangan. And it's uh, it's the tabernacle prayer, the tabernacle prayer. So I believe that we're going to go through that and um, and we're going to expect God and and what's going to happen is, is Brother Logan's going to put up the bulletins. And then if you want, you can take a picture of it. And then when you're at your house by yourself, you know, I, I believe everybody in this place should have a prayer closet. You have a place in your house that you pray. When you're in that place of prayer, write it down somewhere and then stick it on the wall. Because there's times, and, and I'll be honest, I, and I don't claim to know everything about prayer. I'm not a spiritual giant. None of those things, right? I'm just the man who just really wants to seek the heart of God. Amen. So the, the tabernacle prayer. Now, if you know anything about the tabernacle, it was it was a dwelling. It was a place where God could dwell with his people. And, and that's exactly what prayer is. Prayer is a place where God meets me and I meet God and we can dwell together. Now, um, I should I probably should have had him get a place, get a um get a picture. But in the in the front is the gate, right? Let's go to let's go to some scripture. Psalm 100 and we'll go to verse 4. And there's a song that I I I thought the the song is like the scripture, but I was thinking of the song when I heard the scripture. The song is I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court with praise. So it says, Psalms 100 and verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Amen. I believe that, I know for me, this has to be the starting place in prayer. Like just thanking God and having a joyful heart. Now, the thing about prayer is that, like, if you're praying stuff that doesn't mean anything to you, it's not effective. Like, when you go and you think about, you have to think about the stuff that you're truly thankful for. Like, when I start praying, I say, Lord, I thank you for my life. And the reason I always say that is because I was going to take my own life before I came to God. So, really, the fact that I'm still standing here because God kept me, because God wanted me to be alive, that he viewed my life as being precious, I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. And there's so many other things that we're thankful for. But we live in a society where the focus is what you don't have. You know, like you turn on the TV or you go on Instagram and all these people got all these cars and money and you analyze yourself and you say, man, I don't have a Lamborghini. Man, I don't have all those stacks of money and I don't have all that jewelry. And then you begin to be unthankful, you know. But I really think that if we would sit and reflect on all that we have, we would be thankful people. And then I think about our bodies, too. Right. So, like, we take a lot for granted. Now, I don't think about my pinky. I don't think about my toe. Actually, I do because Julia stepped on it. 
But when, when something in your body is missing, when something in your body isn't acting right, all of a sudden now it's like I got to panic, I need to be healed, this, that, and the third. You know what I'm saying? But we really don't thank God for what is working. You know, God, I thank you for a sound mind. There are so many people that are losing their mind. And, there's, and we have so much to be thankful for. So I really think that, like, honestly, if we went into prayer just thanking God, we could stay there for hours. You know, I may not have a million dollars, but I got a job. I got a roof over my head. I got people that love me. I got so much stuff that so many people lack, you know. And bless his name. Bless his name. Amen. Now, the second part of the tabernacle is the brazen altar. And, oh, okay. Oh, thanks. All right, good. Thank you, sir. All right, so what'd you say? Oh, right there. <laughs> so the brazen altar is right there, right? So, so this picture says it says the covering of badger skin. We're not gonna focus on that. We're gonna focus on the pieces. All right. So the brazen altar is right there. And in the Bible, um, the, the altar represents a place of dying. It represents, in the New Testament, the altar represents a place. It, it represents the, the, the cross. So um, this is a place of repentance. Now, if, any, if you guys know anything about the tabernacle, what they would do is they would take the animal, which was the sacrifice, and they would cut his throat. And they would put it on the altar, and the altar would just burn the animal. And they would, and I believe they would put blood on it too, right? Somebody help me. Yeah, they would put blood on it too. So this is a place of repentance. Um, let's go to Psalm. We're still in the book of Psalm. Psalm 51. Amen. Now, Psalm 51 is a psalm where David, and is this okay? I know it's a little slow. It's slow. It's slow for me because I know I'm like. Doo -doo -doo. All right. So Psalm Psalm 51 is a psalm where David takes Bathsheba, and he gets her pregnant, somebody that's not his wife, and then he ends up getting her husband killed. It was just a bad thing, right? But the beauty of it is that we get to see this man's heart. Um, besides obviously Jesus Christ and probably Paul, um, David is one of my um favorite people in the Bible, because this man had such a heart from, for God. He absolutely loved God. Like when you read Psalms that say like, um, purge me, it says, it says, let the meditation of my heart, like what's in my heart and what's in my mind, let that just be pleasing to you, God. That's somebody that really loves God. So Psalms 51 and 2, he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. So part of repentance is that I have to acknowledge the wrong that I've done. And that's tough for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to admit that they're wrong nowadays. No, no, no. You get all, people get all defensive and, and it's like, no, God sees my heart. So I might as well be honest with him. For I acknowledge my sin because it's ever before me. And then verse 4 is powerful. It says, because against thee and only thee I have sinned and done evil in thy sight. 
I don't know about you guys, but he just killed Uriah and he got Bathsheba pregnant. So what do you mean, David? You didn't just sin against God. You sinned against a bunch of people. But this was personal because this is the same man that said, I hide my word in your I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So acknowledging the fact that you sinned against God. And one thing that's so powerful about repentance is that what most people do when it comes to this or what most people do is when it comes to being wrong or, you know, you've done somebody wrong. Anybody ever cut somebody off and steal their parking place and then you just put your head down and you're like, oh, Jesus, I just can't. <laughs> All right, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Or you cut somebody off in traffic and you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyways. But, yeah. So. So what happens is, is like the, the guilt and the shame that comes with sin. Like we have to understand that we can bring that to God. Like God is not like, oh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm thrown off. I didn't know. Adam, where are you? You know, oh, I've sinned against you. And there's so many that have sinned and they walk away because they just feel like their sin is so much greater than God. But what God is saying is there's a place in prayer where you can repent, where you can ask God to wash you in the blood of Jesus, where you can acknowledge your sin, when you can realize that you sin against him and only him. Amen. And then this is and I'm not going to read it all. It's just it's just powerful. It's just and it's so relatable. So many people I believe that, you know, so many people say that the Bible is outdated. And I really don't believe that those people actually have read the Bible, you know, because times change, language change, people's clothes change. But humanity, the way people act doesn't change. You know, 30 years from now, somebody's going to try to rob me. Somebody's going to try to steal somebody's You know what I'm saying? So humanity and sin is just going to stay the same, you know, but I need to repent. I need to ask God to just just wash me and just purge me because I can't I don't know about you guys. If I've done somebody wrong, I can't have a conversation with them. It's 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 uncomfortable, you know, and when people have done me wrong, it's kind of uncomfortable. I can see it's uncomfortable for them, too. You know, it's just so. But God is saying. I'll take care of it. Amen. All right. So the, the next part of the um, tabernacle is the labor of water, where you're washed, where you're washed. And this talks about meditating on the word of God. How many of you guys have done that, right? There's so many people that have biblical questions, right? But the beautiful thing about the Bible is that the author is still alive. So I can get into this place where I'm dealing with the scripture I don't understand, and I can say, okay, God, speak to me. What does this mean? I try my best to understand things in context because I heard, actually I was reading this book, and it said it's pretty dangerous to, um, to like, flip the – I know God can work like this, right? I know, God, you can flip the Bible open and point to something, and something will, something will pop out at you. But I heard this guy say that, like, it, it can be dangerous because, like, he flipped through the Bible one time, and it said, and, G and Judas hung himself. And then he flipped over, and it said, go and do likewise. So, so we, 
We don't want to do that. It's, that's, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. So what I need God to do is I need God to give me understanding of the word. So after I'm done thanking him and after I'm, I'm, I'm repentant and I'm, and I'm asked the Lord to wash me and cleanse me, now I need to get into the word. I need to find a scripture that'll just, that the Lord is dealing with me about. And I'm, okay, God, help me to understand this and help me apply this to my life. Amen. And also pray for a love for the word of God. I used to, you know, when back when we used to do um, life groups, it was me, you and Sister D's. Like that was the first life group. And I remember and then Walter came and then other people came. And I remember you guys would just sit there and just go back and forth. And instead of me getting mad, I would just say, "Okay, God, give me a burden. Give me a burden for the word of God. You know, if this is what you want me to read, then I want your bird. And ever since then, I, he's given me like this inquisitive mind where I, like, I'm just like, hmm, let me study that, you know. Also, pray for revelation of who Jesus is in the word of God. And that's actually the next pillar, too. Um, because one thing about the book of Revelations is where when we say that, we actually say that wrong. It's not the book of Revelations. It's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what the book is doing is actually using all these events and all these series and all this judgment to point you to Jesus. It's not about the mark of the beast, 666, the end times. It's literally all about him. And also Psalms 119, pray that the word will be hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against God, you know? And there's no, and the thing about these things, it's not a checklist. It's not, okay, I just thank God. Okay, I just repented. But really, it's a place where you just kind of take your time and you just, Jesus, thank you, you know? And you just connect with him because it's just about connecting with him. But also I understand that in this day and age, communication is just, it's rough, some of the times. Those one-sided conversations are like, oh, oh. hey, man, all right, sorry. All right, and then the fourth piece is there's four pillars, or there's five pillars. And if we can go to Isaiah 9 and 6, Isaiah 9 and 6. A key thing about prayer, and actually a key thing about communicating, is you want to understand the person that you're talking to. So Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the, not a, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. So the Son is the Father, the Prince of Peace. So these five pillars or something that we need to spend time and meditate on. And like I said earlier about the one-sided conversation, the thing about prayer is that it has to flow both ways. It can't just be me talking. I have to allow God to let me understand who he is by his word. So if you're sitting there and you're, okay, this, the word of God says, Lord, that you're wonderful. Okay. What does that mean? How are you wonderful? What was the context Isaiah was talking about? Okay, it says, that you're, it says that you're the son, but you're the mighty God. 
How is that possible? You know, and then there's understanding of the oneness of God, the everlasting father. How is the, you know, and then you're the prince of peace. Well, God, I'm going through chaos. So show me how you're the prince of peace in my life or how you're going to be the prince of peace of my life right now. And I'm telling you, this is such a beautiful place where God can just flow to you. And you're just sitting there and you're just receiving so much. And when you walk out of there, your face is just glowing and you got peace because you know who he is. So I don't have to bow down to my situation and to my circumstances because I know who the God inside of me is. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. The next piece of furniture is the, the golden candlestick. Golden candlesticks, I'm sorry. And um, let's go to Proverbs 3 and 5. If you're super saved, you could, you could quote this. Amen. <laughs> if you're super saved, you know this. Amen. And this is the place where we ask God for spiritual guidance. You know, I'm going to be honest. So when me and Sister Amelia were in the ER, the doctor comes in, and he says some stuff. And I was like, that makes sense. But Sister Amelia was like, nope. I rebuke. She didn't rebuke him outwardly. But she's like, nope, nope. And I'm like, and then she asked me what I thought. I'm like, but it makes so much sense. She was like, no, no, no. That was not of God. And then Pastor Dees comes in. And I try, and I try to tell him, I'm like, listen, what the doctor said made sense. He was like, no, it was an attack. So in life, we need spiritual guidance. We have spiritual leaders, you know, but I believe that each and every one of us should be sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost that God could speak to us and lead our lives and guide our, and guide our lives. Proverbs 3 and 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first step is just trust in the Lord. But the difficult part is leaning not to your own understanding. Because I don't know about you, but I wake up and I navigate my life. Like, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm eating. I know what's going on. And I, and I believe God has given me wisdom for some of those things. But at the same time, I'm really not, and I'll be honest with you, there's times where I haven't really sought God on how to. And that has been so detrimental to me, you know? So I think that we have to really... In the beginning of the day or whenever, just stop and pause and ask God, what should I do? There's times for me, I know when I have to make decisions and I need to seek the Lord. There's times where God just gives me like this little nudge in my heart. If I'm gonna, or there's times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I feel this like, don't. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it. And that has been so helpful. <laughs> So helpful. Mm. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That's exactly what we need. We need God to direct our path. We, we absolutely, we need his guidance. So the Lord is outside of time and outside of space, right? I forgot who I was listening to, but he was talking about how, like, how, like, so let's say I got this, like, this 30-foot sub, and that symbolizes eternity, right? So where we're at is imagine taking a piece of that bread off, right? 
that symbolizes where we're at. So if God is from here and there, and the scripture says, and it and the scripture has been like dealing with me a lot, but he works from the end to the beginning. So God knows everything that's going on. So I need to lean on him for guidance. You know, there's so many times we we do the right things. We're at the what we think is the right place and we make the right decision based off of, you know, you know, maybe our feelings or even like you could even be doing, you know, like, oh, I got a Bible study. But it's like, really, like I should really seek God, one, what to pray for and really, two, if I should be there or, you know, so we need that spiritual guidance. And that's another thing that we need to pray for in prayer is God lead me, guide me, God. God, I got I let go of my own will. I let go of my own decisions. And this is a place where we really have to humble ourselves. Because like I said earlier, it's it's where I shine forth and I know what I'm doing, God. And God's like, OK, I'm going to allow you to mess up again. <laughs> and then. The next piece of furniture is the the showbread, and it's the table of bread. You know, the scripture we read earlier where Jesus said, give us our daily bread. This is exactly what we need. We need that word from God. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, and, I, and it's just starting to click in my brain, but it's like I thank God, I repent, and then God speaks to me. God speaks to me. God speaks to me. God speaks to me. And it's just really just him imparting to me and really me not really talking too much. But give us our give us our daily bread. And also, this is the place where we pray for those who are bread givers, for the missionaries, for the pastors, for the church leaders, for the young people. This is this is where we pray that God would give them the daily bread and give them the words to say as they distribute. Now, um, one thing that the Lord brought to my attention is that all of this means nothing if we don't pray in faith. Um, in Acts 12 and 5, it's where Peter, Peter got arrested, and the Bible says that the church was praying, right? So the church is praying. Peter's in jail. Peter gets released, and then he goes and he knocks on the door, and Rhoda's standing there, and she hears his voice, and she gets all excited. And instead of opening the door, she goes back to the people, and she's like, Peter's here, guys. And they, and they say something to show that they didn't have faith in what they were praying in. They said, no, it's, it's probably just his angel. You're out of your mind. And it's like, no, what were you guys praying for? Like, we're sitting here praying that Peter will be released. So that's another another difficulty with prayer is that you could go through a motion of prayer where it just, to be honest, is really kind of pointless. If you're just going to sit there and just go through a ritual and emotion, it's kind of like when somebody has a, a conversation with you and you can tell they're not really into it. And it's just it's just not good. Prayer is just communication with God. If you guys haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> So, but what I want to do is I want to open my heart to the Lord. I want to open my mind. I want my words to be purposeful. I don't want to just, you know, just go in vain repetitions. But I actually, like, I look to connect with Jesus when I pray. You know, that's why I appreciate people who wake up at 430 in the morning to pray. Not this guy. (laughs) 
I'll be sitting there, and I'm just like, Jesus, 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 and just fall right asleep. But at night, I got you. At night, I'm with you. All right, amen. All right, and the next piece of furniture is the altar of incense. Now, incense in the Bible represents prayer, but this is a place of intercession where we stand in the gap and we're praying on behalf of someone. So not only are we praying for other people to get their daily bread, we're praying for our daily bread, but I'm praying for somebody who doesn't have the strength to pray for themselves. I don't know if you guys ever been in a situation where you were weak. I remember there was one time where I just was like, I think I might have been like half backslidden or something like that. But I felt somebody praying for me. I literally felt somebody praying for me. And it's, it's such a strange feeling, you know. And then I remember Sister Doreen actually texted me that night, and it was her. So this is a place where we need to stand in the gap for the people who are weak, for the people who are not able. Let's go to a scripture, Genesis 18. And this is probably one of the best examples. Genesis 18, verse 22, and it's actually 33. If I was your pastor, I would read the entire thing, but I'm not. <laughs> All right. So this is, um, so Abraham is actually, um, he gets word that God is going to um, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you read this, something that is so powerful about this scripture is God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But before he does, he consults with Abraham. He says, should I hide this thing from Abraham? Now, I don't know about you, but like you're God. You're all powerful. You have all authority. So why would you consult with me about a decision that you want to make? Like, that is like, like who? I, I can imagine Abraham being like, who am I that you would even talk to me? But Abraham, the reason he prayed so hard, one, is because Lot was there. So Lot was on his mind. I'm pretty sure he didn't have anything against Sodom and Gomorrah. He probably didn't know anybody there or whatever. But Lot was there. So what Abraham did is Abraham stood in the, he stood in the gap. And in verse 25, or verse 24, or actually 23, we'll start 23. It says, and Abraham drew near and he said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Preadventure, if there be 50 righteous people in the city, will thou destroy and not spare the place with therein? And then God says in verse 26, it says, if I can find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the place. And as you continue to read, Abraham just goes lower and lower and lower. And he's like, God, listen, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. But if you can find 10 people, and God is saying, if I can find 10 people, I will not destroy the city. If I can find five, I will not destroy the city. I don't believe that God likes judgment. Well, actually, judgment. He does rejoice in judgment. I take that back. But he does, the scripture says he doesn't take, he doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked or something like that. So, like, I believe that God was looking for somebody to kind of hold his hand back. 
And I also believe that that's why the church is still alive and functioning right now, because what we're doing is we're actually holding God's hand of judgment back. That's why this is so powerful. So there's somebody right now that you may know that hates God, that's lost, that's wicked, they're in sin, and all these bad things. But what I can do is I can stand in the gap for that person. I can pray as that person and just pray the judgment of God away from that person. I don't think we understand. Actually, I'm not going to say that. Praise God. But I know, I could just see, honestly, I can just see a smile on the Lord's face as Abraham is just holding his hand back a judgment. And he's just like, thank you, I found a man. There's a scripture in the, um, in the prophets where, where, I think it might have been Isaiah, where it says that I sought for a man, but I couldn't find one. Man, that is really sad. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm sad, I see the sin, I see the wickedness of people. But what I need right now, God speaking, is I need somebody to rise up and say, God, listen, give them more time. Oh, man. That lets me know that I have favor with God. Scripture we read about Elijah. Elijah shows up on the scene and said, ain't no rain until I'm coming back. Boom. Three years, no rain. That's power. That's favor with God. So what God is looking for is he is looking for some intercessors to just pray, to just pray for somebody else, to just pray for that wicked person, to pray for that person who you tried to preach to and they rejected you. Pray, pray, pray. I read so many books on martyrs, and there's so many people that are anti-God in the beginning. But then people start to intercede, and hearts and lives are changed because somebody stood in the gap. Somebody bargained with God. Amen. All right, the next piece of furniture, and I'm almost done. The next piece of furniture is the veil. And this, the veil represents the flesh. So this is the place where we need to go beyond. Now, I don't know about you guys, and I'm not, and please don't, don't take me as being like, like bragging or anything like that, but like you can get to this place in prayer where you pray for so long that your mind and your, your flesh is checked out. Like your mind is like, come on. You can start thinking about like Tic Tacs and cats and like it's just like, I'm, like physically you're done. But this is the place where you recognize your weakness. You recognize that you're, you're pretty much done, and then you push a little further, and then you go beyond that. This is a place that is so wonderful. It's, like, it's kind of like fasting, you know? The one thing that hinders us from fasting is that hunger pain, right? That hunger pain hits you. You think you're going to die. <laughs> Man, you know? One time I was praying, I was, it was, I can't remember. I was here by myself praying, and I'm laying on the altar, and I'm fasting, and I'm just laying there, and I, and I could not get my mind off of honey buns. Like, I was just laying, like, it consumed me, and I'm just like, oh, just wrestling. I caved, y'all. I'll keep it real. I caved. <laughs> I walked down to that corner store. But you know what? It wasn't worth it, you know? But there have been times when I have gone beyond the flesh. And, and, and you've reached this place of, like, the only word I could think of is, like, euphoria. Like, this place of peace. 
this place of just like, oh my goodness. Because it's a place where so few people have been, but it's just this place where like, oh man, the devil don't have no, he has no power. My carnal mind isn't controlling me, but I am just in this place where I am just flowing with God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And then the last piece of furniture is the holiest of holy. This is the place where the Ark of the Covenant is. And this is also a place, like, if you've, honestly, if you've made it this far, like, man, extreme, extreme breakthroughs, you know? But this is also the place where we, where we, we pray for ourselves, we, we pray for ourselves, but also we wait on God. So, yeah, we, you know, we meditated on the word. We asked God for understanding. We asked God for spiritual guidance, daily bread. We interceded. We did all these things. But do you guys know that the purpose of prayer is really just for you to just have fellowship with God? So it's like, so you did the ministerial, the ministerial duties, right? In a sense, you know, okay, God, I need a word. Okay, God, I need to understand. But. Have you ever just been with somebody and you just enjoyed their presence? Like you just enjoyed being with them. You speak with them and you have these great conversations. I was reading this book on, um, again, it was on martyrs. I think it was the insanity of obedience or something like that. But so this guy was persecuted in Russia. And, and for those people, persecution is like a badge of honor, like, you know, like, they, you can't even be a, a church leader if you haven't been to prison and beat for Christ. So, seriously. So, so, so this guy, is he's, he's interviewing this guy that was in prison for, like, 30 years for the name of Jesus. And he was in a cell where, you know, he, every morning he would wake up and he would sing to God and he would spend his day in prayer. And, and God worked powerfully and, and he worked powerfully in that prison. And what happened was, is he developed such a prayer life with the Lord that, like, he just knew the voice of God. And that's another thing that's important, understanding and knowing the voice of God. But so the guy is interviewing the guy, right? And he gets lost in a thought. And then he comes back and he hears the guy speaking. And he says to him, he's like, what were you saying? He was like, no, I wasn't talking to you. Before you got here, me and the Lord were having a conversation and we just picked up where we left off at. I was like, oh my goodness. I want that kind of prayer life. I want to be able to hear from God in that way. Amen. Amen. So I felt this very strong from the Lord because we're going to spend, and it's on time too, because we're going to spend the next 10 days in prayer. And by day three, you might be at that veil where you're like, oh, I got to push through. I got to push through just so I can wait on God and hear from him, and just spend time with him, you know? So if you want, Brother Logan, can you put that up there? If you guys want to take a picture of that and then just use it for prayer or write down notes or something like that, and again, I don't say this as somebody who, who knows it all, but it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of this, is, this will be a guide. This will be a guide. So you're not sitting there bored out of your mind or anything like that, but you're really connecting with God and you're growing with God, and you're hearing from him. Because prayer is literally the foundation of all we do. And it's like if we don't 
pray, we're kind of just performing. If we're not connected to Jesus here and out there and everywhere, literally everywhere, because you can pray everywhere, I'm just, I'm just going through religious motions, you know. And the old saints, they would, everything they did was out of prayer. Like all these hymns that we love and know, like all of these things was, were, was birthed out of prayer, you know. So this is, this, is, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. So amen, 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 amen. And we're going to be prayerful people. No, we are prayerful people. But you can always know more. You can always do better. You know what I'm saying? You can always get closer to him. Now, I want you guys to notice something. You notice I didn't say anything about goosebumps or feeling good? Now, I want to say this, too, because the Bible says that when you pray in the spirit, you edify yourself. So you're building yourself up. The Bible also says that when you pray in, your, in the spirit, in the spirit of God in tongues, you're speaking mysteries, you know. And there's also a scripture. I feel like some of the times some people might misquote it, but it says with groanings that cannot be uttered. So you're not uttering them. Does that make sense? <laughs> look it up. Look it up. I forgot where it said. I think it's in like Galatians or something like that. But anyways, but yeah. So praying in the spirit is very, very powerful. It's extremely powerful. But, you know, Paul said, I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to pray with the understanding. So I think we have to I think we have to pray with understanding. Absolutely, because I like I, I love speaking in tongues and I love the feeling it gives and I love how God some of the times not he just kind of like just hovers over me and like but I also want to be able to to speak to him and have him speak back to me, you know, because prayer is just not about the goosebumps and just feeling God, you know, prayer is kind of like it's like it's like marriage, right? Marriage is the goosebumps. It's. Or actually, I'll say that, you know, like when I talk to my wife, it's not always like this like super good feeling of love. And we're like, oh, my goodness. And, you you know, we just some of the times we got to sit down and just have a regular conversation. And, you know, and and when I ask her how her day is, I'm not like trembling. I'm just like, hey, what's up? She's like, I'm OK. You know, or if I ask her to cook, I'm not like, hey, babe, make me a burger. All right, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You know what I'm saying? So, hey man, praise God. It's just, Amen, Amen. So, it's not all about the feeling. When the feeling happens, it's good. And it's funny because the feeling really is the biggest hindrance. Cause we we come here right, and we have these blowout services, and everybody's just breaking out in goosebumps. But then when you go home, you don't have the same thing, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, am I lost?" No. If you can speak to God, that's it. Communicating with Him, that's it. You know, and then eventually, you know, the goosebumps might click on. But I'm not praying for goosebumps. I'm praying to speak to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to grow in this. We are absolutely 100% going to grow in this. And we're going to hear from God. And it's just going to be wonderful. So um, can we all stand? And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for a burden for prayer.
Pray for our burden for prayer. Pray that we can go beyond the veil. Amen. And another thing I wanted to say, too, is, like, you have to pray, like, to receive from God, too. Because there's things, I guess that, I guess it kind of goes along with repentance. But, like, I want to, part of repentance is making sure that your heart is right before God, too. Because if God, because, like, there's some times where, like, bad stuff happens in your life. You know, it just, it just does, you know. And we want out, Lord, make the pain stop. So we go to God, Lord, change this situation. And we don't feel nothing. We don't hear nothing. We get nothing. And we become bitter. And we don't really wait on God. So just some of the times you have to prepare your heart to not get anything. And that's a difficult thing because God, I'm on my, my, I'm on fire right now. My hand is on fire. Throw me some water. And he's just like, no, (laughs) that's tough. That's tough. God, I'm going broke. My light bill. And it's not, and I, the way I felt like I portrayed that was like insensitive. Like he doesn't care. He actually does care, but there's some things that only you can only learn through experience. And, you know, a lot of times, if, if we're being honest, a lot of times we're, we're throwing those, like, blitz prayers is because we've positioned ourselves in such a way where we've made such a dumb decision. And now God is like, okay, well, I'm just going to let you reap what you sow, you know? That goes into spiritual guidance. Amen. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray for a burden for prayer. Hallelujah. Father, right now, Lord God, right now, I thank you for this word, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you've spoken into the hearts and minds, Lord God. God, right now, we receive a burden for prayer, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for you like never before, almighty God. God, we love you and we thank you for what you've done in this place, Lord Jesus. God, I rebuke any lie that is being spoken right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Expose the lie right now, Lord Jesus. Have your way within us, Lord God. God, I pray that you would take away the awkwardness from prayer, Lord God. God, I pray that you would give us a tongue to communicate with you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, right now we lay down every wall that we have set up, Lord Jesus. Every wall that we have set up, Lord God, we lay it down, Lord. Hallelujah. Wash us, cleanse us, Lord God. Let this be hidden in our heart, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Pastor D's anything? All right. Amen. You guys are dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Um, what's tomorrow? Friday? There'll be, like he said, there'll be prayer from 7 to 12. Okay. Yeah. So, amen. You guys, God bless. Love each other.